May 3rd, 2021. It's the Watch from Pedro Show.
show happy monday <laughs> let you know that we start off with john coltrane with eric dolphy and of course uh uh mccoy tyner uh, jimmy garrison elvin jones mr pc a song john coltrane wrote for an incredible bass man paul chambers and then we had bob lord with yo soy miguel actually yo soy miguel over here in pedro <laughs> <laughs> you ain't Miguel. <laughs> Miguel good, good to talk to you, Miguel. Good to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, people, you can tell that I'm not totally man alone, even though Brother Matt's still the love grotto on the pleasure point called Miles South. He's still in quite quarantino mode. Those Skype engineers from Estonia has got Brother Bob Lord all the way from New Hampshire making the Pedro connection and actually Bass Brother connection, too. So that's righteous. Right on, man. Although this eight string, you know, Jimmy played an eight string, but it was four string with uh, octave. What do they call those choruses? Yeah, that's that, that's what I got. I love that thing, man. Oh, love, oh, uh, so it ain't like eight, yeah, you know, like with these big fucking. Okay, okay. No, 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 man. I I can't play any instrument that looks like it's going to eat me at, at a moment's <laughs> notice. You know. <laughs> okay, yeah, because supposedly he plays a, a Hagstrom one, on uh, maybe. Electric Ladyland or Axe. You know, yeah. he played bass on some stuff when he got his own studio. Well, he might have done that even... Uh, yeah, maybe it's not Noel Redden on some of that stuff. I think I think you're right, yeah. And I think it was was, was that old Hagstrom, man. Those things, they sound great. Sound yeah, great. and, and uh, I know Jack Cassidy played a couple tunes. But, uh, and, yeah, Jimmy on bass. But, but, but uh, yeah, let's get into your music journey, uh, Bob. Uh can you bring your earliest musical recollection, please? Oh, wow, my earliest musical recollection. Um, Sha Na Na. I okay. think I, I was really, really young, little kid, and my parents took me to see Sha Na Na at the, I think it was at the North Shore Music Circus, north of Boston. Um, but then after that, you know, I think the earliest things that really uh, hit me was just the Beatles and, uh, and that, that, that rubber ball that Paul McCartney would, would make, you know, playing the bass, just that sound. And uh, that stuck with me. Stuck with me my, my whole life, really. Kind of pneumatic. Now, uh, I got a little bit. <laughs> well, no, no, no. We won't, we won't tangent off on you. Uh, this pad you grew up. So, so you grew up in Massachusetts? I did, yeah. North Shore, uh, North Shore Mass, town called Andover. Because the first uh, New Hampshire uh, experience I had here, I am going to tangent a little bit. You could see a fucking sign that the state built a sign for a liquor store on the border because Sundays is when you'd have to, uh, punk bands could play the channel and there's no beers. So Andrew so, would make sure, you know, but if you didn't, I guess people would drive up to New Hampshire and get their beers. <laughs> drink free and die, man. Drink a lot and die. Yeah. Yeah, well, they changed, I think they, they changed the law so now you can buy beers and Sundays. 
<laughs> the oh, yeah, but, also, you know, the channel burned down. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it sure did. But uh, I was just thinking about those blue laws in Massachusetts. You know, growing up, that was um, always the rage, right? Everyone got all get pissed off. Blue laws. Can't, can't buy any alcohol on a Sunday. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, different states had different ways of being insane like that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma, you'd have to, at the bars, they could send you, sell you only Coke and 7-Up. You'd have to bring your own fucking hard liquor with your name written on the label. <laughs> you guys got, yeah. And South Carolina had like one ounce, you know, those airplane bottles. Yeah, yeah. You sure. know, just all kinds of weird. Okay, uh, but l let's get to your music journey. This pad you grew up in, uh, did it have musical instruments? Well, you know, my family wasn't like a, a family of musicians or anything, so... Uh, I just kind of grew up and was hanging around with a lot of my, my, my peers and buddies and everyone started picking up instruments and, and starting to play and, um, you know, struck me, hey, I, I, love, I love the sound of the bass. I, I heard, obviously, McCartney was a huge influence, but uh, John Entwistle from The Who is probably the reason why I became a musician. Uh, Entwistle and Townsend, the both. Heard James Jamerson, Duck Dunn, this kind of stuff. And then finally, you know, getting into like Kitty Lee and Chris Squire and all those guys. And uh, I can remember being a kid listening to really young, not like exactly when it came out, but probably right after, right after uh, Tom Sawyer was released. So like the moving pictures album by Rush and my cousin was just like, you need, to, you need to hear this. And I listened to I, it. I'm and... always getting asked about Rush because I played in the trio. Like they don't want to talk about Cream, right? They want to talk about Rush. <laughs> oh, well, Cream though. I mean, again, like listening to those records and, and Jack Bruce when I was a kid. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, big influence. Amazing stuff, stuff yeah. Well, let's go back though, before like you had names on these people, right? You're a boy and... Uh, like, what's the first record you bought with your own money? First record I bought with my own money. Uh, okay, so there was a couple. Um, the first one that really, was how can cash. you have more than one <laughs> for <laughs> well, a first? Always slip me five bucks here and there, right now. Ah, so, oh, there was a couple of them on the counter while you were paying for them. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I got yeah. it. I got it. Uh, the single of "Every Breath You Take," actually, the the, the forty-five. And who's that? "Every Breath You Take" by the by the Police. Oh, Police. Okay. Yeah. And what was the first gig you saw? First gig, I, well, the first gig I saw was Sean Anna. Uh, I think my parents took me to see Liberace because oh, my that's and, right. and, and that's my right. Grammy, both Italian old ladies, so we had to go see Liberace, right? Uh, but I, I think the first gig that was like the first like major concert I went to was uh, with Steve Miller Band. Looking back, I think it was maybe, you know. Well, Sean Anna was huge, I'm telling you, because they were yeah. marketing. You know, that's the time. Well, maybe it's a little later for you, but that's the happy days. They're, they're, they're trying to milk the 50s people. Yeah, people saw Jimmy Dean and shit. Totally. Now, I, yeah. I got, I, I'm going to bring in that little tangent about Sha Do it. The, the, the Woodstock movie. Like, they play yeah. that at midnight, right? And yep. this is 70s. If you want to know the 70s, right? I'm 13 in 1970. And uh, they come on, and people are, like, booing. They're booing a movie, right? It's on at midnight, and by stone. And, yeah. like, fuck this. It's my dad's music. And this shit was only, like, what, 10 years old? 10 years old, right, exactly. <laughs> Nowadays, a kid will listen to 50-year-old Black Sabbath. There is no problem. I tell you, 70s people were fucked up. Oh, we we were a lame, a lousy generation. What about what about at, at grade school? Bob, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Oh, no, man. No, I didn't do any of that stuff. No, absolutely not. Like, that that was not for me. And, uh right. Elementary, elementary school, I was like drawn. I was reading comic books, watching professional wrestling, you know, maybe playing on my little keyboard, figuring out if I could do this, you know, make any sounds or any music. But, in class? Uh, no, no uh, in, in, uh, not in class, not at home. Oh. Just, you know, like just kind well, of. Well, I ask about time. school because so, a lot of schools got rid of their fucking music and art stuff. That's why Flea started that 
Silver Lake uh, Conservatory of Music. He went back to yeah. Fairfax High, and they had gotten rid of the program where he learned trumpet. That's like ridiculous, man. We we definitely had it in our schools, in our school system growing up. And, uh, you know, there'd be like plays and musicals and all this stuff. Uh, so it wasn't gone by the time I was in school. But but after me, yeah, definitely. I graduated high school in 94. And after that, I think um, right. stuff started to get cut quite a well, bit. Well, you know, the marching band and shit, you know, a lot of people get their first start. Also singing in, in church and temple and shit. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, no one picks, right? We're all on this path to today right now. And it's all different. And that's why I like to talk to people about it. So, like the bass, your interest, you knew what the bass was. Well, yeah, man. Like, so growing up, it's funny you bring up, or, or you went on the, the Shana tangent, right? Because I grew up listening to oldies rock and roll radio. So all the stuff from the 50s. And in my mind, I thought that, like, music began with Bill Haley in the comments, right? Yeah, and, and, rock and roll. And you get much older and you realize, oh, wait a minute, in many ways, that's somehow where, where part of it ended, right? Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but growing up and listening to all those old records, uh, in the oldie stations, you know, and, and, and the thing that really attracted me was was the sound of the bass and those old Motown tracks, man. Like, I remember hearing, um, heard it through the grapevine for the first time, the Gladys Knight version and going like, what the, what is that? There's a Temptation uh, so was, version. There's a fucking Creams version. Yeah, yeah, sure. Where, where, yeah. where there's a dually between Doug Clifford and John Fogarty. It's incredible. But, you know, uh, th that movie, right? Yeah. Blackboard Jungle, I think. Yep. Rock around the clock, but actually, Little Richard, and but the, you know, uh, and also R and B, right? The shit had been going on for fifty years already. <laughs> it was going on forever, right? Exactly. It was it was crazy. And, and you know, there was this great band uh, called No No. It's called Black Humor up in the city in the late seventies, and they had this song where you got the guy, or it was a lady actually. She goes, "You know, the only thing new is you find it out about it." <laughs> the truth. <laughs> the truth. Oh, man, I want to play this uh, Wyoming. My mom was born in Wyoming. Wyoming Vice. Right on.
just tell a few things that happened uh, since your last time here. That was uh, late '61 coal train. Well, I a lot of things went on, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess you could say so. You know, uh, you mean the people I work with and played with? Yeah, for instance, been affiliated what, 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 with. What, what, what you dug and, and, and uh, Well, I dug playing with Coltrane, that's for sure, and the, and the whole group. The whole group was something. It was, you know, a memorable musical experience. And every chance I can, if they're anywhere around, I go and play with them. Mm-hmm. And um, you played a lot with Mingus, so you must like that too. Oh, that, yeah, yes, I love. I like to play with Mingus. Otherwise, you won't do it. Well, well, the thing is, is that they're two different bags. Mm-hmm. Coltrane is another type, mm-hmm. and uh, a plane, and Mingus is another type, a plane, mm-hmm. and. Um, And so, like each each of them have something that you know very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and something to go after. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else do I have to hear? You 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 want you want to be yourself, of course. W- well, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 in what group? Uh, well, that's why I want to stay here. I I best I, chance for that. I don't know. All groups you have the best chance for everything, you know. But uh, that's why I want to stay in Europe for a while, play around. You know, I had something I wanted. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Want to play a lot. You stay here in Europe for a while. I'm gonna stay a while. Where? And then I don't know as yet. I don't know where I'm gonna stay as yet, but I'll be here. You stay after after the tour? Yes, days? yes. Paris or something? Yeah, I think I'll be staying in Paris. You still you still feel you you are still developing? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Still going at it. Yes. And uh, I play with some other groups. Probably you would like to know. Uh, I've been working with uh, John Lewis's orchestra, Orchestra USA. Oh yeah. You've heard of the orchestra? Mm-hmm. I did some work with him. Yeah. And uh, I think they're on, they're going to go on vacation. And anyhow, they've had one more concert, which I won't be able to make, which is this month. And you know, they've had some good concerts. You know, they play a cross between they play jazz and they play classical music, and. Uh, Well, John Lewis is a musical director, and Gunther Schuller is a conductor. Mm-hmm. So you see what they have a cross between. Mm-hmm. And they've been having guest solos with the orchestra. Coleman Hawkins played with the orchestra, mm-hmm. plus the uh, modern jazz quartet mm-hmm. and Jerry Mulligan. Let me see who else played. I think that's I can't mm-hmm. think of. I think that's all mm-hmm. I can think of at the present. Who've been guest soloists with the group? Mm-hmm. But for yourself, I think you you like to be in a group where, where you are as, as free as possible. Yes, I, I would like to for a while. For a while, I en- listen. The thing is, I enjoy playing all kind of ways, mm-hmm. and I feel that uh, you have a great chance of expressing yourself mm-hmm. and broadening mm-hmm. by playing many. I feel mm-hmm. now that doesn't have to be right what I'm saying, but I feel in broadening, you know. You know, the more musicians you play with, there's certain things that help you. I feel that uh, just develop. You know, and, uh, and yeah, because music, regardless of what it is, what label we put on it, is basically music, and basically it's creative. You know, because when you think about it, when you hear music after it's over, after it's over, it's gone in the air. You can never capture it again. So it's pure creation. Yeah. 
whether you look, listen to a Beethoven or a Brahms symphony, or if you listen to Mingus or Coltrane or Stravinsky or Ravel or Duke Ellington or, or Sonny Rollins, Roland Kirk, anybody, Oscar Peterson, Ella Fitzgerald, these all has to be, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's, and I've had some wonderful experiences. I had an experience, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, I played with uh, Gunther Schuller, arranged it. We did a piece with Orchestra USA, and uh, Leonard Bernstein liked it so well he wanted to do it with the Philharmonic. So I did it with the, we did it with the Philharmonic, and I had a chance to play as a solos in this piece. And that was a wonderful experience, you know. Those are great musicians, and, you know, it was great music to play with them, you know. And every musician that is contributing something is a great musician, whether if he has a name or not. Of course, some men have stronger personalities that come over stronger than we hear of more often, but it takes the musician that you never hear about to make them great, to make their music come across. So don't blush now. Then you're a great musician. Well, I don't know. Time yeah. will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. If if I if I have anything of any merit, but, but that's, that's time what, will that's, tell. That's, that's what I mean. That I feel. Well, time yeah. will tell. I'm still okay. developing okay. yet. Okay, still thanks, developing. Thanks,
Mr. Engineer, faders up. What kind of jail cell is this?
Show, Wyoming Vice, Bob Lord, who I've just learned is very well read. <laughs> I'm a recovering English major, Mike. That's no, the, but it's bitching. Uh, what's the difference between English class and literature class? I guess one's more grammar. I, <laughs> yeah, I never figured that out. I yeah, think that's why yeah, yeah. Student, right? Yeah. E. e. Cummins. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Eric Dolphy interviewed after a show in Amsterdam on April 10, 1964. I thought that was important uh, for people to hear. Uh, you know, it's a lot of cats, yeah, I had to play clarinet. Well, Eric Delphi fucking rocked the clarinet, even bass clarinet. Obama's printed after that on a cloud. Uh, SLWCC Watt, this is a new uh, album I've made with uh, Sam Ward Locke in Iowa City. Well, we trade files over the internet, right? I've done a lot of that last year. Now. Something Lost. Uh, Bob Bucko, his buddy, out of Dubuque with the strength of ill will. I think he mixed the thing, too. Wharton's expanding jazz band. Wharton Tears from uh, Fun City Studio he had in Manhattan. He got to record with Bob Quine there. Uh, Visions of Johanna. Pink Sunset. Uh, uh, Joe uh, Cardamone from his uh, Quarantina series, Part 12, Cluster B. John Wayne, no H in that John, with Texas Jail Cell. He's got some drama. Uh, Modern Blind, Blonde, brand new, Detective Candy, Are You a Cop, brand new, and a song for Big Game James, James Worthy, from Gastonia, North Carolina, right? And Bob Lore finally, the ski ball. Is that like wiffle ball? It's like the New England version of it, right? You know? Okay, okay, everybody's particular to their circumstance, which is all right with me. So, well, so uh, the bass, so you actually... You knew it had bigger strings. You knew it was in a lower register when you took it on? I, I did. I did. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I knew what I was getting into. And I was talking to, of all people, I was talking to Dwayne Eddy the other day. I covered one of Dwayne's tunes on my new record. And I've been in touch with him to get his approval and his blessing and everything. And, you know, the guy's a, guy's a legend, right? Yeah. He's telling me the story about how, um, how John Entwistle thought that his twangy guitar was, in fact, the bass. And Entwistle had it all wrong, which I thought was a really great anecdote to hear from Dwayne Eddy. So... You know, I, I knew what I was Maybe not, because if you listen yeah. to his style, because John Entwistle ended up saying, I don't play bass, I play bass guitar. Damn straight. Yeah. Damn straight. And, uh, yeah, you could tell as his hearing was... You know, he's also a French horn player. In pictures of Lily, he's doing a solo in the middle. Yeah, and, and all that brass on Tommy and all that stuff. Yeah, he's he was great. He, he does all the brass? I think only the French horn. <laughs> no, he well, well, he did he did the French horn, but he did a lot of other brass too. Um, and okay. he because he was like the only guy in the band that was you know actually trained and stuff. Right. And, uh, well, Pete, you know, his daddy was a conductor and shit, so he had some kind of help. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and a lot of weird <laughs> in the head too. I guess. Well, I guess that was the grandma, right? There's a lot of yeah, that's, a lot of that's what I read in that in that autobiography. Yeah. Right, right, where that was fucked up, right? Cousin Kevin, all that shit's real shit. Is pretty tough on him but you know what at the end of the day it's fucking roger's band right <laughs> <laughs> whoever right it's roger's band he'll knock you out if you don't fucking anyway well, john john ask whistle is, 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 
You, you and I both know as bass players, without the lead singer, you got nothing, right? So, come on. I think so, because look at him now, right? The two, it's yeah. called. But 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 John Hamwistle, do you know he built his first bass? Yeah. He, he his, his, was it like him and his dad did it? Yeah, like Ryan, wood from the fireplace like yeah. or some shit. <laughs> yeah. That's balls out. I, yeah, I love it, love it. But I think Jack Bruce had the heavier influence. But a lot of those guys overseas, because I could hear him on the records, like what D Boone only knew Creedence, man. I couldn't hear what Stu Cook was doing. I can hear it now. Yeah. Yep. That's why I got into flannels. I thought D Boone would still like me because I couldn't tell what the fuck that guy was playing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, more about you. What about after school? Not graduating, but afternoon. Did you do the garage band, the basement band? Oh uh, yeah, man. I had so many bands in high school and uh and it was great. Like what's crazy is a whole batch of the guys that I played with back then. And in my graduating class, we're all still in the business and everyone's got like careers and stuff. So we started off being a little like, you know, garage band uh, competition. And, you know, next thing you know, everyone's kind of like taking it really seriously. And wait, so, wait, yeah, what do you so mean competition? I mean, just like, you know, we everyone took it seriously right from the ground up. So it wasn't just kind of like mucking around and playing together for shits and giggles. It was like we're doing this seriously. And and what like so you like guys, kind of, you're cutting each other with giant steps and shit. Yeah, not quite that bad. But, good, you know, good. Because uh, it ain't right? fucking sports, right? So, exactly. look, I got to ask you, what, what's your first bass, Bob? My first bass, well, I, I rented a Stinger from my guitar teacher and for What's six a Stinger? Months. And then I ended up... Uh, what's a Stinger, a Bob? Bucks. Pardon? What's a Stinger? It's a, sh- it's a piece of shit is what it is. Oh, who makes it? I've never heard of them. I didn't even know. It was it was like the uh, like Washburn's like sub 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 label or whatever. Okay, right? okay, okay. And it was like a rental, whatever. So then for a few hundred bucks, I found a uh, 1978 Rickenbacker, which I still have sitting here right behind me right now. That was 30, 30 years ago. And what about what about amp? Your first amp? First amp. Uh, I had a Fender. Uh, it was like a boy. You're really stretching me. Uh, it was like a well, I'm a little prejudiced base wise, and you're you, you know you're in the in the competition. <laughs> we can do this, right? Yeah, we can actually have this. Actually, I'm right saying now. more of a brotherhood than a competition, but I'm just curious. It was like a 60-watt Fender, uh, like a combo. Uh, with I think it was 116, which as soon as I, I heard it, I realized this is what I want. 115, probably John a 15. Edwards, 16 is a weird size, but the drummer yeah. probably fucking drowned you out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're supposed to go with the drums, not as the mat under the drums. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, we don't want a Bogart unless it's fucking family, man, and we're doing reggae. Okay. So so <laughs> this first, point. the first band, the first of the bedroom bands, the garage bands, what what was it? Uh, boy, there was a couple of them, uh, but, but one but of the first was... you only was, have one first one? Well, no, because it was like the same... Ah, parallel, parallel. Bloody ...was in a couple of these bands that we all put together and started playing together at the sure, same time. Sure. So I had one band with a buddy of mine by the name Ed Jurdy, plays in a band called The Band of Heathens. I uh, had another um, first band that later went on to become the hardcore band Converge. And so those guys were in my same graduating class. Um, and so we all had these like kind of crews of people that we play with and just kind of hop from band to band. Now, um, were you writing yeah. your own material? Were you trying to copy off records like me and D Boone? Because that's what 70s assholes did. Uh, Both. D- Both. <laughs> now, <laughs> did they, was it just a practice band like mostly me and D Boone did till the movement? Or did you ever do a gig with these guys? No, we, we, we did our first gig. I think I was 13 when I played my first gig with that band that became Converge. And then shortly after that, we started gigging with... Tell me about that first gig. Tell me about that first gig. That was at the Red Barn in North Andover, Mass. And 
that was crazy. I remember like, you know, rehearsing and getting ready because I don't know, man, I don't know about you, but like I've seen this when I whenever I talk to younger musicians and stuff, it's like at a certain point, there's an escape velocity. And if you don't play your gig by the time you've been playing with your, your, your bandmates for X amount of time, like it's never going to fucking happen. Right. So it was it was kind of cool to right away just sit down and be like, OK, let's get some material together and then we're going to go play a gig. And uh, and yeah, I remember it was hot, sweaty and fast. And what were you scared? Was it a pants shooter? No, not really. You know, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't God, like they that. Are for it was me. that kind they of nervous are. energy, though. Like that. Like I can't wait to get out there and show people okay. this thing. And then, of course, you know, you think it sounds great. I, I hope it wasn't recorded. But they didn't throw shit, right? You didn't get booed off, or somebody grabbed your. You know, Pedro etiquette in the days of the keggers was like if that dude knew Black Dog better than you, that he could grab your thing and play it in front of everybody and shame your ass. Exactly. Oh, yes. well, no one brought rotten vegetables. Yeah. That's, that's the good news. No one brought the rotten veg. You know. You know what? We've made progress, people. <laughs> yeah. We've made progress because, man, if you want to talk about getting shamed, well, I got shamed in a lot of levels. So that's why I asked that stuff. But you had a victory. Your your gig was a victory. What, can you remember the first? But bass guys aren't usually known as songwriters. Were you writing songs? Yeah, I was writing songs, but I'm not so much a songwriter as I am just kind of like a, I don't even know, a, a, you know, piece writer. Like lyrics and that kind of stuff was never really my, my strong suit, but uh, the more instrumental stuff. Uh, yeah, but was, I, I think John Coltrane didn't write many lyrics, but he wrote a buttload of songs. He sure shit did, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, man, but I think, uh, yeah. He wrote a lot, a lot of good titles, right? And when you're doing instrumentals, the titles get real important. Very important, very important, which always confused me about classical music. Why is it symphony number 23 in D minor, right? Because like, I think they're trying it. to they're trying to say, you know what, this is pure. Oh, yeah, nothing is pure. But, man, we can get into that. I remember John Coltrane getting asked, which, by this guy in Japan, his last tour, what, what's your idea of classical music? He says, I'm not sure, but maybe that's where people sit down when they listen. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Bob, we're at the end of the first hour. May 3, 2021 edition, what Peter, so special guest, Bob Lord, hold time for hour two. May 3, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Cat watching the birds fly through the sky is resigned that most things will escape him before he dies. And for every bird he manages to bring down to the ground, a thousand more will fly away. Never to be found. And so it seems to me As I watch this tortoise shell That to fly it must be heaven Because the watching it is hell And for every accomplishment And every victory There's a thousand other moments Of such wretched drudgery
seventh year. The race lives on. The household's fortune stands through many years and many generations.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Bob Lord doing the backwards swan. I'm going to imagine that's a tune he composed. Ben Salter after that, uh, something live he did in Japan, the cat. Rice Core, that's a brother Lucas out of Sydney. Peking Duck, he's got a project with three Chinese musicians. Very interesting. Rex after that, you and me and them. I guess that's it. About all of it. <laughs> Some days after that with every girl. And then the best band name ever, Stony Spring. That name just gets me every fucking time. <laughs> Make my gray brain green. And of course, it's G-E-R-E-Y. <laughs> and finally, Bob Lord. Mighty Forces. This is uh, Bob after he uh, evolved from his Dreadnought. Maybe not, because Dreadnought, I think, is an ongoing concern. So we'll get into that later. I'm going to play a bunch of that in third hour. But 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 Bob, what do you do after, after, after school? Like... Uh, you said something about English. Do you go to college for writing? <laughs> I went to college for writing uh, and reading books and all this crap. But uh, yeah, yeah, but man, there's nothing I'm, wrong like, with that. I mean, you would not I, believe how inspired I am for music, from literature. Because, well, for one thing, you don't have to be worried about ripping off the licks. <laughs> exactly, just the titles, right? Just <laughs> the titles and and the imagery, right? I use the imagery yeah. as, as parallels to a. What do you call that? What's it for? Metaphor. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I'm with you, though. Like, you know, man, literature has inspired so much of my writing, like Philip K. Dick and Vonnegut. And ah, yeah. All, Good guys. All this kind of stuff. Totally, totally has informed my, my writing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My third opera, I, I, I use paintings, uh, uh, Hieronymus Bosch. But like yeah. uh, Double Nickels on the Dime, we're not going to mention who's listened to that, when and where, and who else had to fucking hear it at the same time. But almost all of them tunes on there is right when I finished Ulysses by Mr. Joyce. I was 25 mm -hmm. years old. It was profound on me. Yeah. Then I read it again in my 40s, and it was very sad. <laughs> same thing with On the Road. Now, the writing obviously stayed the same. Maybe what changed a little bit. <laughs> so, so, so tell me. What the, music you keep going though while you're learning writing and reading, right? Oh man, well you know I guess like a lot of it is just the stuff that I've loved since I was a kid, like like the Who, Otis Redding, um, Tower of Power, all this kind of stuff, and uh, and then you know as I went kind of further listening to like King Crimson and Gentle Giant, all this weird kind of prog prog rock stuff. John Wetton. Pardon? John Wetton. Oh yeah, man, dude. That P bass with a pick. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah, P-Bass with a pick and, and hard-driven amp and great singer. But, man, when I saw him finally in picture, you know, designer jeans, air blow, uh, blow uh -huh. dry hair, uh, uh -huh. a body shirt, it was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, But, man, you know, he was great. And the tour he did with Roxy Music, oh, man, big. But, but anyway, you I mean, you're learning, reading, and writing, but you still got the love for, for music because it's just in your blood. 100%. It was the only thing I wanted to do from the time I was a kid. So kind of reading and writing was just the thing that I was doing on the side thinking, well, you know, backup plan. Ah, plan uh, B. Yeah, my pop yeah. did a Bravo. And then I got really into classical, got really into symphonic music, orchestral music, you know, jazz, big band jazz, stuff like this. It's like, you know, I remember hearing uh, Miles Ahead, um, the Gil Evans stuff that Miles sure. Davis did, that, that, that collaboration and being like, oh, man, those colors are great. And then you hear Stravinsky. And, and you know, you were talking before 
uh, off the air about Bela Bartok. I remember hearing hearing Bartok for the first time and saying, you know, <laughs> it's like heavy metal, right? I mean, that's that's what Mind that shit blow. is. And Stravinsky too. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nels Klein. Money Mark Nishida was part of the project Steve Perkins put together where we jammed a fucking Rite of Spring over headphones yeah. and like none of the Rite of Spring ended up on the recording, right? It's just our like reactions. It was a mind blow. Like, 10 million sewing machines versus like, you know, some pan with this pan pipes or some shit. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a fucking, you're right. And what about uh, like Mr. Ellington and Mr. Mingus and, and them putting uh, jazz with the, 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 big orchestration oh yeah i mean it's like unbelievable once you start to go down that rabbit hole there's so much amazing music out there that you just you, you never even you know knew about when you're a kid like you, you mentioned eric dolphy uh, a little bit earlier you know yeah. listening to his stuff for the first time it was like somebody dumped a bucket of cold water on my head right his, ba- and then his pop like, built him a prac pad in the backyard in the hood oh bitching. man yeah beautiful man the diabetes got him he didn't know about it yeah. Well, I, I got a I got a friend, a guy that I, I worked with, a wonderful composer. He's, he's passed away now. His name is William Thomas McKinley. And Tom was a uh, amazing classical composer and also an amazing jazz piano player, like really, really top. And he, he played a gig with Scott LaFaro once. And I said to ah. him, Jesus, Tom, what was that like playing with Scott LaFaro? He just goes fast. Yeah, we lost him too early. That guy yeah. was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 build up a big music appreciation. That's beautiful because this idea of genre, I think, is like prison camps. Fuck that shit. Totally. totally. I, I want to play siege. I want to put genre under siege. Let's play <laughs> this uh, piece by you, Bob.
Bob from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off Bob Lord doing his siege. Then we had Blip Music, a bass player here in Pedro, Joe Dean, doing solo bass excursions and atmospheres, wrecking in minimal sequence COVID-22. He's in Frank Zappa, too, but that's a windbag title, dude. <laughs> Mr. Faulkner hated editors, but... <laughs> His sentences were a paragraph, motherfuckers, right? Exactly. But they're beautiful. I mean, uh, Light in August. Oh, my God. I read it in two days. I couldn't put it down. Uh, Joshua M. Robbins after that. South Carolina, the machine. Heimbach, uh, before we break, Morgan Delt, make my gray brain green. There's that G-R-E-Y gray again. Canadians in England have an influence. That's okay. Bob Lord finally. Mighty Forces. Siege, mighty forces, in for the kill. Yeah, a lot of testosterone going on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, action, action, right? A lot of, a lot of, lot of yeah, a lot of physical. So look, the, uh, the classical experience has profound impact on you, right? You're not just a rock and roll bass player now. You, no. Huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, you 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 find a place, you find out that the fucking double bass in a you know, we use three quarter for our jazz guys, but over the, overseas there they use the full money, right? And it's a big violin without a chin part. Exactly. Did you ever work one of those? Uh, no, that's not my instrument, man. You know, I tried. Like, it was fucking hard. <laughs> I, well, I, I do so. I do so little. And on my new record, right on this album, Playland Arcade, like I'm playing so little on. It. I put there's like definitely some bass on here for sure, but so much of this is about me, like kind of embracing that that classical thing which is the whole you know i i i'm gonna think it up but i want other people to kind of take it and then make of it what they will yeah, which you're, is you're like, a script, thing, right? like a script writer for a movie in a way totally, and totally. that's, that's know, bitching and, and, can i ask you a personal question the composing because charlie mingus would not compose on the bass you know his first song was mingus fingers that's why i asked yep. you if you composed your own stuff you can't remember the first song you wrote can you that would be tough. Ooh, you know, I'll tell you what, though. It's probably on a cassette tape in my office right okay. over here because okay. all my four-track shit is still in there. That's the, bitch. Uh, the back you you so, got yeah. it. But what do you compose on? Do you compose on the bass or do you compose on a piano? Uh, ooh, yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, a, a lot in the bass, definitely. Uh, a lot in my head. Just a lot kind of just, you know, it's it's in it's in my head thing. I'm thinking about it. And then I just kind of sit down and just try and get it out the right way. Oh, you uh, can do that because that's a skill where you don't have to work an instrument to get your idea manifest. You could go from the paper, uh, from the head to the paper. Uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's okay. definitely hard. But but yeah, and and I think you know using an instrument, it depends what kind of mood I'm in. But I'll give you a great example, man. Like yeah. I picked up this uh, this eight string bass a while back, right? And, yeah. Uh, and and it came and it arrived because I, I I purchased it sight unseen, which I never have done in my life, and this thing arrives. And, you know, my band Dreadnought, we wrote a record around it in like two weekends. You know, it's just you sit down with a new toy and it, different stuff comes out. So there's totally sometimes where it's like all about that physicality of it, right? Yeah. The, the connection between the head and the, and the brain. Totally. The possibilities, the limitations. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All that kind of thing. Like people don't realize, but there's a B note on every fucking string of the you know, four string bass. That's the same note, but it ain't the fucking same note. That's right. Because bigger diameter, further or closer to wherever you're plucking, all, all these kind of things. And then with a the piano, you got a button for each note. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's all, all there, connected, man. though, right? That's a it's trick. It's all there. I think the only big diff is timber. 
That's it. That, well, that's, you know, and that's what's so interesting about classical music is depending upon the position and which section of the orchestra is doing absolutely. what, where, and when, and how. Like, yeah. my God, the color, it's it's infinite. You said it before, like the feeling of, it's one thing when you feel sound coming through an amplifier. It's another thing when you feel it coming from 75 people like sitting right in front of you playing instruments, right? It's a, Oh, a yeah, yeah. That, you're talking about that gig where I saw Pierre Boulet conduct Bella Bartok. We're at the end of the second hour, May 3, 2021. Dish Wap Pedro, your special guest, Bob Lord. Hold tight for hour three. May 3, 2021. It's the third hour of the Wap Pedro Show.
Down 
Life for Pedro show. Start off the third hour with Dreadnought doing the pig and the poke. Dreadnought is what you just heard Bob talking about. His band before he got into writing these huge pieces uh, on his own. Dex Rom uh, Weber do off that with Blue Surf. The Mike Cooper Miniature One. Uh, Cheer Accident. They were just on. The Colonel Garris City. And finally Slave Girls by Dreadnought. Not funny. Sorry. Didn't need to laugh. But God, what a song time. Uh, you know, an image gets conjured. John Coltrane, right? He calls it Alabama. You know, Dreadnought calls her too. It's like, That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, because uh, I, I think of the four little girls, right? And that fucking fire in the church. Anyway, uh, your new album. Please enlighten us. Oh, well, you know, so I got this album out right now, Playland Arcade. And the whole concept here is like a producer's album, right? Just to try and incorporate all these different crazy sounds and styles and and, and roll it all up into one. And uh, and at the same time, kind of describe my the town that I live in and the town that I, I grew up visiting, which is called Hampton Beach. So it's a typical, you know, like New England American boardwalk town, just the fried dough, the, the skee-ball, the, the video games, the whole thing. And. Uh, so this is kind of basically my little love letter to uh, to this to this hometown of mine, and uh, and in the context of all this music, trying to make sense of all these things that I've done in my career, just uh, prog rock and classical and jazz and you know pop and all this stuff, and I think I, I hit on on pretty much all of it in the record. You think it's kind of it makes me think of my third record where I what I want to make a album about middle age. Everybody says middle age is fucked up, and maybe it ain't. Is it about middle age? Because you say it's looking back. You know, it's it's a good question. Uh, I think middle age is a great thing. You know, I, I recognize I'm not quite as fast as I was when I was young, but I know a hell of a lot more. So maybe this looking back is is one way of kind of understanding all that stuff. But but yeah, I mean, I'm always kind of reminiscing about uh, past experiences to try and give me some some new perspective on on moving forward, because there's so many things that I've laughed about in my life and in my career. I, I got to try and remember at least some of them along the way. And what was the spark that made you want to do this project? You know, I mean, been making records with Dreadnought for 25 years. This is our, as I said, our silver anniversary here. And uh, and we have a new record coming out this summer called Northern Burner. And um, and you just played a track from that, Pig and the Pony, which I believe is the first time anybody has publicly heard anything from this record. So don't tell the guys in the band because they'll get pissed off at me. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I felt like doing something um, of my own. And in my quote unquote day job, I'm a classical music producer and I've got like you know, almost like a thousand records that I've, I've produced over the years. And I figured it was probably a good time for me to do something of my own and, and, and go on record with my own record. You know, when you produce classical music, do you use a lot of compression? None. Yeah, oh, that's, oh, actually, that's what I figured. But there's a lot on this music you gave me. Yes, exactly. So, so this, this now, kind now of this is, of I got to tell people, uh, the listeners, Please. Bob, this is kind of technical stuff, but that's okay. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> no, no problem. So, you know, like the idea in classical music is you want to try and get like as realistic a representation of the sound as possible. So Mike's in the room in like the vice presidential mantra, right? Do no harm. On the other hand, uh, you know, my record, this is definitely a not a classical record, right? It's got a ton of a crazy, um, you know, kind of pop rock sounds, prog rock sounds, whatever. Um, the middle zone, it's interesting. There's an album that I produced this past year uh, called Wild Symphony by Dan Brown, the guy that wrote The Da Vinci Code. And it's the, uh, the album is the accompaniment to an illustrated children's Yeah, picture. you did a you, you, children's version. I know, I know, I know. It's now, look, right? I know all about Holy Blood, Holy Grail and all that. Yeah. 
you know, I read that when it came out in the early 80s. And, well, this, this when I read that in your bio, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, this album that we did with Dan, it was really interesting because the philosophy of saying, well, all right, listen, well, we know we want a different type of listener than, than, than the kind of normal classical listener. We know we're going for, for a younger audience and kids, and we know people are going to be listening to it through their iPhones, not necessarily through like a hi-fi or anything. So we were experimenting with the types of, uh, of compression to use, how much we wanted to, to get it to that point. And uh, I'm, all, I'm always willing to bend stuff until it breaks, artistically speaking. And I don't think there's any rules, any rules worth following, you know, in terms of making art. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, uh, Umberto Echo had Foucault's Pendulum, definitely not for children. But no, not for it, children. It is very funny, though. And, you know, it's not important whether any this shit's real, right? What's important is if people believe in it, and then people end up getting murdered for the shit, right? Well, exactly. And as a resident of, uh, you know, of California, you're looking right over the Catalina Islands there. I, I, the same thing's going on with UFOs, right? You've probably seen stuff coming in and out of the ocean for a long time. And whether you whether it's real or not isn't really the, the point. It's whether people believe it or not, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was the point. Mr. Echo, very wise guy. Semiotics taught yep. at Bologna, the oldest university in Europe. Uh, I want to play Express Delight, some uh, more Dreadnought.
浦島太郎昔々海辺の村に浦島太郎という若者が住んでいました太郎は毎日海で魚をとって年老いたお母さんと一緒に暮らしていましたある日のことああ今日もあまり魚が取れんかったの。太郎ががっかりしながら浜へ上がると、ワイワイ騒ぐ子供たちの声が聞こえてきました。おや、なんだろう。見ると子供たちが小さな亀を捕まえていじめていました。やーいやーい、小亀、早く歩いてみろ。太郎は言いました。おいおい、かわいそうじゃないか、話しておやり。子供たちは、いやじゃいやじゃ、話すもんか、と言います。そんなら、この魚みんなやるから、その亀と取り替えておくれ。子供たちは魚をもらうと帰っていきました。危ないところだったな。さあ、海へお帰り。太郎は亀をそっと海に放してやりました。亀は何度も太郎の方を振り返りながら、沖の方へと消えていきました。次の日も海は荒れ、魚は一匹も釣れません。太郎が諦めて浜に上がろうとすると、突然大きな波が寄せてきたかと思うと、目の前に大きな亀が現れました。驚く太郎に亀は、昨日はうちの子を助けていただき、ありがとうございます。お礼に、竜宮へ案内します。と言いました。そんなこと言われても、ほら、潜れん。と太郎が言うと、亀は、どうぞ、私の背中にお乗りくださいと言いました。太郎が亀の背中にまたがると、亀はスーッと泳ぎ出し、海の中を深く深く潜っていきました。昔、昔、浦島は助けた亀に、連れられて、竜宮城へ来てみれば、絵にも描けない美しさ。亀が、さあ着きましたよ、と太郎を下ろしました。おう、ここが竜宮か。そこへ
まばゆいばかりの衣装をまとった乙姫が現れました。ようこそ竜宮へ。お待ちしておりました。大広間では、魚の踊り子たちがひらひらと踊り、金や銀の器に盛られたごちそうが、次から次へと運ばれてきます。太郎の歓迎の宴が始まりました。こんなごちそう、今まで見たことがない。まるで夢のようだ。と喜ぶ太郎は、早速ごちそうを食べ始めました。たくさん召し上がってください。そしてお好きなだけ竜宮にいてください。と乙姫が言います。太郎は喜んで食べ続け、飲み続けました。夢のような時間を過ごすうちに、太郎はいつしか、時の経つのも忘れていました。ある日、太郎は乙姫に案内されて、大きな窓が四つある部屋に入りました。一つ目の春の窓を開けてみると、あたり一面に梅が咲き誇り、うぐいすが鳴いています。二つ目の夏の窓を開けると、今度は緑の木々が生い茂り、セミの声が賑やかに聞こえてきます。次の窓には真っ赤に染まったモミジが夕日に輝く秋の景色が広がっていました。最後の窓を開けると、目の前には雪が舞う冬の海が広がっていました。よく見ると、太郎が暮らしていた村の景色です。ほっかーを一人残してきてしまった。どんなに心配しているだろう。太郎はいても立ってもいられなくなり、乙姫に言いました。乙姫様、ありがとうございました。そろそろ村に帰りたいので、おいとまさせてください。乙姫は何度も引き止めましたが、太郎の気持ちは変わりません。すると乙姫は、では、この玉手箱をお持ちください。この箱を持っていれば、またいつの日か会えることでしょう。でも、決して蓋を開けてはいけませんよ。と言って、玉手箱を差し出しました。太郎は、玉手箱を受け取ると、ふるさとの村へ戻っていきました。
帰ってきたぞ。ほらの村だ。ほっか。ところがどうしたことでしょう。村の様子がまるで違っています。村の人たちにも見覚えがありません。浦島太郎の家を知らないかと村人に聞いてみると、浦島。三百年も昔、寮へ出たっきり、戻ってこなかったっていう、浦島太郎の家会。もう、とっくに、亡くなってしもうたよ、というのです。三百年。オラが竜宮で過ごしている間に、三百年も経ってしまったというのか、ああ、太郎はたまらなく寂しくなり、たった一つ自分に残された玉手箱を開けてしまいました。すると箱の中から現れた白い煙が太郎を包んだかと思うと、なんということだ。太郎はあっという間におじいさんになっていました。心細さに歌とれば開けて悔しきたまてばこ中からパッと白けたちまち太郎はおじいさん春の海はどこまでも遠くかすんでいましたどこからかいい声で船歌を歌うのが聞こえてきました太郎は、ぼんやりと、昔のことを思い出していました。
Rock for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Express Delight, Dreadnought. And Fusan. Arashima Taro, the story of uh, Tommy Tobacco and Taro, huh? The Cuz, named the Cuz record. Lewis Cole after that, Below the Valley. Pants Exploded with Screaming Johns Hopkins. And finally, Dreadnought Ballbuster. Yeah, so... Uh, who was they? Them, they might be giants. They make records on purpose for kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not accidentally, right? Yeah, totally. They, they have, yeah. <laughs> Tony Mamoni was torn with them for a while. I mean, is it a different mindset? When, when you target an audience, you know, I come from this, this movement where you just let the freak flag fly and you really, I guess you're targeting the most insane people out there. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're actually wanting to bring Dan Brown's take on the, you know, the Holy Blood, Holy Grail to kids. Well, not quite, not quite. But well, look, look. When it comes down to targeting an audience, right? Like, let's just talk for one second about Dreadnought and about my own solo stuff. Okay. You know, I like to think of our music as being the equivalent of like those. You know, my name is Prince Oconquo, and I'd like to talk to you about my eighteen million dollars in an account. The only reason why anybody ever responds to those scam emails is because they've essentially pre-qualified the buyer. People are so stupid if they actually write back to that that the guy on the other end, the scammer, knows, all right, this is a real mark, which means that the closing percentage is really, really high. In similar fashion, I think myself and Dreadnought, what we tried to do is to make our music as repellent as possible, as yeah. you can hear from Express Delight, to make sure that only the real, real fans are going to come through in the end, right? <laughs> that's, that's the basic goal. Okay, 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 yeah. And now when you're a producer man, though, you you let the artists hold sway? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know what your philosophy is with, with production, but like... I yeah, it's a like trippy thing. You know, there's a joke, it, right? How many producers does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> what, like 100? And then, you know, 99 to do it and one to say, I can do that better? Is that the... I don't know. What do you think? I think so, probably, right? But I No, think there's that. Me, that was the punchline, Bob. Because <laughs> oh, a lot of the producers, right? What do you think? Like, you know... I'm not going to name this guy, but he's out making the deal in the hallway on the leash, you know. It's usually the engineers doing a lot of the work. Sure. But I, th I, on the other hand, I think producers can be incredibly important and really make things fucking happen because they got the sense of perspective. The force from the tree thing, that there no cat in the band can really get the same kind of vantage point. I think that's the job. And I think, honestly, the minute I put on a bass guitar, I think I cease to become a producer because I don't have that objectivity, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm leaning on my, my, my partners and, and everybody yeah. else. But you know, my, my perspective of production is, yeah, it's a bird's eye view job uh, for the most part. But you got to be sure that you can dive in and catch the mouse when you see it running around the field. Yeah. And uh, I, I think especially like thinking about it, not what I as a producer want, but you know, if this person that I'm producing had the experience of being me for my whole life, well, then what yeah. would happen? You know, like that's kind of... The, no, that's that empathetic. Kind of, that's great. I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. You, you, if you step, you know, walk a mile in my shoes, right? You'd be mm -hmm. a mile away. You could steal them. I can't chase you. I got a bad knee anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at that age as well, so I, I, I feel it. No, no, but that's, that, that's bitching uh, that you can wear both hats like that and, and, and understand, yeah. You know, every guy on the rudder ain't the guy on the keel. Oh, fuck. Who wants to be on the keel? <laughs> the keel hall, huh? or or be the bow, or be midshipman, or yeoman, or yeah. So we all take turns. I think taking turns is the important key. Yeah, right. I think that isn't Shakespeare said, or whoever wrote that shit said something about that. It's life's about taking different roles, taking turns. Well, and if you don't do that, then you everything tastes the same, everything right, sounds the same, right. everything looks the same, and you miss out on learning a lot of shit. 
Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, I, I never learned anything when I wasn't sweating because it was, you know, I, I was under pressure and I, cause I didn't know what I was doing. Right. That's, that's wow. half the fun. I love talking to you, Bob. When you get a new record, will you come back on the show? We could talk about it and other shit like this too. Promise I will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. People, it's been the May 3rd, 2021 edition of Wap Pedro. So keep your powder dry.